Amen. Our first Bible reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1 and reading through to verse 12. This can be found in the the news sheets on page 6 or in the church Bibles on 1093, page 1093. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they, that's Jesus' followers, were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is John 7. 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, The Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads for a prayer. Lord Jesus, send your Holy Spirit. Help me to speak. And give us all ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. By the way, one thing I should have said at the beginning when I was talking about the chairs and the pews, is, and it was a bigger mission really, is that it's been a two-year effort to get, finally to get permission from the diocese to, to, to allow us to do the change. And Jan Ball has been instrumental in helping me to come to that point. You won't believe the paperwork involved, the rings you have to run round, and all the rest of it. Jan, thank you so much for all your hard work um, bringing it to its conclusion. Okay, so, at the Festival of Tabernacles, we had just heard in the Gospel of John, Jesus stood 
and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And of course, receive it they did in our other reading on the festival of Pentecost, so-called because it was 50 days after the Passover feast. And it was also 10 days after Jesus had returned to his heavenly father. The Holy Spirit fell on the group of disciples waiting in Jerusalem, praying together, waiting for this very moment. The Spirit fell with the sound of a violent wind, tongues of fire. And from that moment on, the disciples were transformed into courageous witnesses for Jesus, from whom God's love and grace flowed indeed like springs, rivers of living water, just as Jesus had said they would. And he's still doing it today. I'm always so excited when I see God's Spirit touch someone for the first time. The joy in their eyes, the awe and wonder as the world changes for them, their sense of God's presence with them, the wonder at creation, the sky looks bluer, the grass is greener. I've heard it so many times. And hope in their hearts more than ever before. And so on this Pentecost Sunday, I want to ask ourselves a question. Are rivers of living water flowing from us? Do we still know that wonderful sense of God's presence in us and with us? Perhaps you can say, absolutely, that's me. I feel that wonderful presence of God every day. And if that's the case, fantastic, brilliant. But there may be some here this morning who would say, well, I knew it once upon a time, but I feel I've lost it. Or perhaps we only get a sense of that on very rare occasions these days. Most of the time we feel quite dry. Or perhaps you might even say, I've never known that feeling. And so what I want to try and do, at least to ask God to do this morning in the next few minutes, is to reignite that thirst for the living water that Jesus spoke about and invite us all to pick up a large glass of the living water and drink it down. Does that sound good? (laughs) Hopefully. First, it's really important, I think, to know who we're talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The night before Jesus' crucifixion, he spent two or three crucial hours with his disciples, telling them, teaching them, explaining to them what was going to happen after his death, his resurrection, and his return to his heavenly Father. And this is captured in three chapters in John's Gospel, chapter 14, 15, and 16. So do read them. Not now, but do read them. And the key points for this morning are these. Jesus tells them that he's going away. But he also says, I won't leave you as orphans, I will come to you. So what does he mean? I'm I'm going away, but I will come to you. Well, he then talks about another person whom he's going to send to them, 
And the Greek word used in those chapters in, in John's Gospel is, is paraclete. And sometimes it's translated counsellor or advocate. And in John 14, 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will send you another counsellor, another advocate, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is also the spirit of Jesus because if Jesus is going to be present with them, when the advocate is present, then he must be the spirit of Jesus. And so Jesus says, well, it's good for you that I'm going away because unless I go away, this counsellor, this advocate won't come to you. But if I go, I can send him to you. It's an amazing mystery. But the bottom line is, Jesus has to leave this earth or had to leave this earth in order that his spirit could come to all believers. And this is great news. Because if you wanted to be with Jesus before, if you wanted to be in his, if you wanted to hear from him, if you wanted to talk to him, if you wanted to learn from him, be helped by him, you had to be in his physical presence while he was here on earth. But by going away and sending his spirit, he can be with us all the time and he can be with all of us all the time, wherever we are. Southgate's big questions is going uh, really, really well. We've had so many great questions. And one of the things some people want to know is, where is God? You know, where does God live? If he's there, where is he? And the stunning answer of Scripture and the New Testament, both Old and New Testaments, is that when we receive the Holy Spirit, God comes to live in us. Through the prophet Joel, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. He didn't say, I will put myself in all your church buildings. God is present in St. Matthew's this morning because he's living in the hearts of all the believers here in this room. Admittedly, we sometimes use language that sounds like he's sort of hovering over our heads and sort of come down. O love divine, or full spirit full. But it's really picture language for the Holy Spirit coming alive inside us, within us. The amazing truth is that God makes his home in us, and that changes everything. The Spirit of Jesus lives in you. So don't ever doubt how precious you are. The Apostle Paul said that we're temples of the Holy Spirit. God's postal address is you. In Psalm 139, the psalmist said, You search me, Lord, and you know me. You're familiar with all my ways. Where can I go from your spirit? And of course, it was a rhetorical question. The answer is no, is nowhere. Because God lives in us by his Holy Spirit. He knows us inside out, our thoughts, our joys, our disappointments, our fears, our dreams, our hopes, our worries, our longings. And he's the spirit of truth. That means he looks at us with 20-20 vision. 
When we go out of here, we don't leave God in church. He goes with us into our office, into our relationships, into our hard decisions, into family life, into bringing up children, into, into loneliness, into wherever we go. He's with us. He's in us. If I'm honest, sometimes in the past I've made the mistake of thinking, well, ah, I don't think I'm good enough for God to live in me. I, don't, I mean, I can imagine him living in a really good person, you know, like Louisa, you know, or Adam, or, you know, or Paul, or, you know, but, but not me. He couldn't really make his home in me. But, you know, that's just not true. From the same chapter in Acts, Peter says, Repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, if you're good enough. He says, if you repent and you're baptised, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And God said through the prophet Joel, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, in other words, all believers, not just those who are good enough. And Luke quotes Jesus saying, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He doesn't say how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to really good people who ask him. He says to anyone who asks him. The fact is, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And the Holy Spirit isn't like a a hotel guest who takes up residence in a room somewhere inside us and sort of... I don't know, a bit like channel hopping on the TV, sort of watches, you know, what, what's, what's going on, sort of, how could he think thoughts like that? Why on earth did he do that? No, the Spirit is in us to help us to grow. He's investing in us. He wants to see us become the people that God created us to be. And one of his important roles is guiding us in our lives. Just as the Spirit guided Paul and his disciples on their missionary journeys in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is shining a light on the way ahead. He's a lamp to our feet. And one of his main purposes is to shine a light on Jesus. The Spirit reveals Jesus to us. The Spirit helps us to recognise what is of Jesus and what is not. And sometimes the Spirit shines his light on us. He wants us to follow Jesus and to obey Jesus. In John 14, he says that if we we love Jesus, we'll obey him. And sometimes that means he shines his light on our bad habits, things that Jesus wants us to take a look at, to work on, to change, to leave behind. Sometimes we're slow to respond. And so our closeness to God evaporates. If you asked me a question three times and I completely ignored you, you'd probably give up and stop talking to me. God doesn't force his way on us. If we won't respond, he'll back off. For several years, I sensed God calling me to give up drinking alcohol because it wasn't helping me. And for a long time, I pretended I couldn't hear him. By the way, this isn't a general call to all Christians. You'll be relieved to hear. But it was a call to me. 
But I noticed that after a while, my spiritual life really dried up. And then when I finally did obey him, it really did feel like rivers of living water starting to run through me again. The Spirit also shines his light on God's word. We can read the Bible in two ways. We can either read it like an ancient manuscript and try and get as much useful information out of it as we can, or we can read it as the inspired word of God, which when illuminated by the Holy Spirit comes alive and speaks to us. That's why reading the scriptures on our own is so important. It gives the Spirit the opportunity to reveal God's will for our lives as he brings particular verses or passages alive for us. Sometimes in positive ways, often in positive ways, I've often felt comforted by God's word. I've felt that I've gained strength. I've felt guided by God's word. But sometimes in convicting ways, like when he reminded me soon after I came to faith about some unpaid tax I hadn't dealt with. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar, as unto God what is God's, was a particular passage he shined a light on for me back then. That's the flip side of a close walk with God. He's going to shine his light into dark places as well as illuminate the path ahead. The Spirit also shines a light onto other people for different reasons. Sometimes he shows us someone who we are to come alongside. He puts someone in our way and we get a sense that God is asking us to get involved. I felt that with someone I got reacquainted with recently through Southcote's Big Questions. He doesn't believe in God. He's not an easy person. I think he's known a lot of pain in his life. But I've just felt the Spirit nudging me to get alongside him. And I remember about 18 months after I came to faith, I woke up one morning and as I got ready for work, I got an overwhelming sense that I should go and visit one of Kirsty's great friends called Jackie, who was dying of cancer, age 42, at the Royal Barks. It was a bit strange, because Jackie wasn't my friend, she was Kirsty's friend. But I couldn't shake off the sense that I had to go and see her. And Jackie wasn't a churchgoer. And I felt quite terrified at the idea, if I'm honest. I didn't know what on earth I was going to say to her. I was, after all, just a Christian toddler at 18 months. But I arrived at the hospital. I didn't know whether I'd be let in, but I found my way up to the ward. Pulled up a chair next to Jackie's bed. It was quite difficult to have a conversation with her because the throat cancer had pretty much taken away any ability for her to speak and so she had a, a whiteboard and some pens so that she could write out what she wanted to say. And I just found myself saying, you know, Jackie, as a Christian, I believe that when we die, we go to somewhere much, much better than this. And that was when I discovered that her dry Yorkshire sense of humour hadn't entirely deserted her because she wrote on the whiteboard with an exclamation mark at the end, well, it doesn't get much worse than this. And she had a twinkle in her eye. And then I found myself saying, you know, Jackie, if you like, we could pray to ask 
Jesus to take you to be with him when you die. Would you like to do that? And she thought about it and then nodded her head. Then I led her in a simple prayer of repentance and faith that I'd learnt to do on Alpha, which she amended with a nod. And then we said a few more things and I said my goodbyes. And Jackie died that night. And her husband, Andy, who had no idea I'd been in to see her earlier in the day, said that when he visited her, visited her around lunchtime that day, she seemed much more peaceful than she had been at any time in recent days. Before, she'd been quite agitated, but he found her really peaceful. And I'll never know this side of heaven exactly what God was up to that day with Jackie, but I do know that the Holy Spirit shone his light on Jackie and diverted me from my normal journey to the office that morning. And I also learned that the most challenging and the most kind of scary moments of the journey of faith have also turned out to be the most rewarding and the most growing moments of my Christian journey. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be addressing and trying to answer some of those big questions we've received in our church services and at a number of other events. And we'll keep you abreast of those, but the first um, sort of non-church service event is at six o'clock next Sunday evening at Southcote Christian Mission, when we're going to be answering some of the big questions. So do think about bringing someone along to hear about that. I'll send out some electronic flyers during the week. Well, someone else will. I won't be here. But what I want to ask all of you this morning is to be sensitive to God's Spirit over the coming days, to be open to whom the Spirit is pointing out to you about who you could invite to come along to one of those services or events and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Because if you ask him, I'm convinced he'll show you someone. And if you ask him to give you the opportunity, I'm convinced that he will. And do please join us this evening at six o'clock when we join together with those other Southcote churches here at St. Matthew's. We'll be thinking more about the Holy Spirit, what he does, why Jesus sent him, and we'll plan to drink more of that living water. So Jesus stood at the Feast of Tabernacles and he said, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. So is there anybody here this morning who is thirsty? Is there anyone here this morning who would like to drink from the rivers of living waters? I think it sounds good. I don't know about you. Well, let's stand in response. And let's just have a moment of prayer as the music team come up to lead us in our next song. Let's stand together, if you would, and we'll ask him to pour that living water.